Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Snap, snap. At AIB, we don't make technology for you to bank. We make it for you to live. Just watch. So you can apply and get a loan through your AIB app or online. Not knocking this out like it ain't nothing. All from the comfort of home. Banking to fit the way you live. AIB. We back doing. Lender criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only, subject to approval. Security may be required. Allied Irish Banks PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Now then, this is the bloodandmud.com podcast. The podcast that takes the weekend's rugby and forces it through a sieve until it becomes a sort of delicious paste. For you all to enjoy on your Tuesday morning commute. Have you been watching MasterChef? More of that later. <laughs> um, I, I know. I tell you what, I have been watching, and I've been had to watch it for what feels like the greater part of my adult life. Right. Is fucking Great British Menu. It's the, the show that literally never ends. My wife has had it on for what feels like longer than our children have been alive. <laughs> I mean, I can't really throw any stones in that glass house because I have now watched nine series of, of MasterChef Australia and honestly... Well, is that the one where they're all stood on the balcony, like, heckling each other? Yes. Uh, I, also, couldn't, I couldn't understand. I've only seen one that's also, the, that's also the one that they literally... It goes on for about 70 episodes a season and it's on every day. And the episodes are like an hour and a half long. It's a huge commitment of time. It's like a marriage or something. <laughs> well, if, if, if you're married to the person who also wants to watch it, I suppose it's not too bad, is it? But uh... No, but yes. So, but yeah, the Great British Menu. I don't get it. I, I don't understand the format. Tell Sully Straight nobody's interested in anything he has to say about, well, about this. I mean, he's a big, big fan of the Great British Menu, obviously. <laughs> That's why he's having a go at me. Yeah, What's that twat saying about the Great British Menu, he says? <laughs> What's really impressive is he's doing that from the bottom of the stairs, which is at least 30 yards away. That's a good mule, isn't it? From I tell you there. what, he's got some lungs on him. Yeah, so anyway, this is us. Uh, we were meant to have Paul Williams <laughs> on with us tonight. As if you didn't know this was us. Yeah, so you, 
Yeah, I'm Lee Calvert, and you are... Yes, I remain Josh Gardner, and you knew that because we spent the first five minutes of this podcast talking about MasterChef Australia yeah. and the Great British Venue. Uh, Paul Williams was meant to be here, uh, but apparently he heard about the MasterChef chat and didn't decide not to turn up. No, he's, he's been yeah. waylaid. He's, under, yes. he's trapped under a fridge or something, but he'll be, he'll be back soon. You can get in touch with the podcast, me at Blood and Mud or Lee at bloodandmud.com and I don't know, whatever. Just look me up. It's fine. Yeah. Don't get me confused with Lee Calvert, who's a female badminton player from America. Okay. When you Google yourself, that's what I found yes. out. Yes. I, I get uh, a mildly successful American soccer player. Um, oh, that's the dream, though, isn't it, for you? You could live in America, mild, earn a living um, playing footy, be all right. Yeah. A mildly successful American comedian or uh, some sort of nonce. Um, <laughs> right anyway so you can get those are your options so how do people get options. in touch with you to make sure it is actually you <laughs> not actually some me. sort of nonce to get not a sort with. of sexual predator yeah uh, it's at Josh Gardner or of course at Rugby Shit Watch uh, we're on Acast we're on iTunes we're also on Patreon patreon.com yes. slash blood and mud thanks for all of you who continue to offer some maintenance payments to this smart ass student offspring that is this pod <laughs> um, we did a shoulder to shoulder review we late, did late which, night Friday podcast action. Yeah, we did, which is I was totally out of step with every other review of well, it. No, it was. I'm fine with that. No, it wasn't. We, we said we <laughs> liked it. We just quite, weren't quite into a massive frothing circle wank about it, which is what the entirety of rugby has been like since Friday. It does seem a bit like that, doesn't it? I don't. But really it was a understand. good show. Somebody actually yeah. posted it's the, it. Somebody actually did tweet. It's the greatest sports documentary ever made. Oh, which is the, the, the hottest phone. of takes I've ever heard. Oh my Calm god! Yourself. But it was good. Just that we had, we we had some something. If you want to find out what that is, obviously get on page and find out. Mm. If you, for those of you who do support us, just to let you know, you had that. If you haven't listened to it already, it's still there. We are back recording. This is Monday night. We're recording this. We're back recording tomorrow because it's we're back with Tony Collins doing the South Africa history thing. Yes, which definitely won't be harrowing. Strap yourselves in for all the great news and the best parts of humanity, which will probably come out of that, <laughs> I'm guessing. And then at some point in the next couple of weeks, we're going to make a plan to do one on the 1998-99 Rebel season in Wales. Yes. Only because I want to do a load of 90s like pop culture references again, because that's the only reason that's to do this. literally the only reason I do anything. We've also scheduled in for November a patron Q&A, so you'll get to send questions to us and we'll do our best to answer them, <laughs> rugby or otherwise. Yes, I mean, to be honest with you, otherwise is probably a better bet than rugby. Yes, it is. Yeah. We begin, <laughs> as we always begin. Yes, we asked Paul Williams to get involved in the Rebel season episode, by the way, and his response was, if I'm honest, I'm better after 2005. <laughs> Story of my life as well. I find out the reverse of that. I was much better before 2005, <laughs> before my bloody kids ruined everything. No. Uh, so we start, as we always do, with a player spotted. Thank you for everyone who sends players spotted into us. You can get in touch with us, me, Lee, at bloodandmud.com and send us times you've seen players out and about. Gordon White sends this on Twitter via the DMs, which is another way you can get in touch. And he says, not a player spotted, okay, mm. but I was out for a beer in Brewdog Merchant City, Glasgow. Other terrible Jesus, craft lager is available. And is, the, that his, is that his editorializing or yours? That's his. Oh, he literally sent that to me. I know nothing about Brewdog. No, I do know about Brewdog because I've had a go on their Nanny State non-alcohol uh, oh, yes. one, which yeah. is all right. Anyway, he says the full complement of officials from the Glasgow Saracens match walked in. All aboard. Yeah, he said, I'm not sure which one it was, but one of them smelt fucking phenomenal, is what he says. 
What did he smell of though, Gordon? Because obviously one man's kuros is another man's dupe. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's... I tell you what, in my experience, be that what it may, of uh, <laughs> of of famous people, even people that you would not expect to be like remarkably deliciously like, smelling. If, if you're famous or you know have a lot of you know have had some success in life, it seems to manifest itself in smelling you smelling absolutely fucking you literally fantastic. sweat the smell of success it, maybe it is that or maybe it's just like you get to a certain level of fame and then people just start providing you with like really good cologne however of course the ref was matthew ray now so if he was in this oh. lovely it was in direct inverse proportion to <laughs> his performance which didn't smell very good at all Correct. assistant yeah. ref was alexandra ruiz so, and the other one was Thomas Shabar, Sharaba, and a TMO was Philip Bonheur. So if anybody knows and has been anywhere near these four, if you could give us some clarity of which one smells delightful and delicious, then or fucking phenomenal, to quote Gordon, then please let us know. So thank you very well, much it, for that. I like that additional, um, you know, smell sense. I like detail. a bit of a, you know, a bit of editorialising about the quality of scent. Uh, more of that, please. I did I walk say. past somebody the other day who stank of dupe. And I was immediately <laughs> transferred back to 1994. I didn't think you could still buy it. That well, clawing, I'm sweet pretty... smell of dupe. On the flip side, I, you know, who is it that I interviewed? I interviewed uh, Amer- Americana singer-songwriter Kurt Vile the other day for my yes. real job, um, who's fantastic, but a massive hippie and looks like he hasn't washed in about seven million years. Yeah. Um, smelled absolutely like sort of a... a it wasn't an aftershave per se. It was just an incredible musk. <laughs> like sort of, there was some cedar in there. There were notes of, of all yeah, sorts. So never mind player spotting. Powerful. Let's have players smelled. Let's have some yeah. details of what players smelt like when you came yeah. across them. There are certain rugby players that I bet smell like of the cheapest shit aftershave. There's a lot of CK1 there. Yeah. Can you still get that? I guess. Was that the first aftershave that was for ladies and for men? And for men, yes. Um, well, was it I not think... an aftershave? Cologne? No, was it even cologne? I don't know. Anyway. Eau de toilette. Let's, you know, because we haven't wasted enough time already. Let's go no, down the clubhouse and decide who we're yes. sitting next to. Here's your two. Yeah. Number yes. one, Paulie Corkscrew. Right. He's 43 years old. He's a prop for the twos. He's not attended training for 17 years, but he plays <laughs> every week. Due to having the strength of 10 bears and more technique than the world's cat's cradle competition winner. Fantastic. Uh, He'll drive around. However, because he's a prop, he will drive the round until you are sick down yourself. Oh, see, that is a... I mean, that just sounds like my last night, if I'm totally honest. (laughs) um, Number two. Yeah. Camel, Camel Jones. Oh, hello. His real name's Tony Perkins. Right. One story goes that he once slept with two women in one night on a club tour in 1989, right. earning him the nickname Tony Two Humps. Right. Which at some point then became Camel Jones. See, I like that. I the like other, the way. However, that... oh, oh. the other story is is he's called Camel Jones because he pulls his tracksuit bottoms up far too high. You following me? <laughs> he prefers think... to be called Tony Two Humps, and the more he makes this point, the more he is incessantly called Camel called Jones. Camel Jones, as it should be. I always like the way that you know a nickname sort of evolves gradually until it eventually sort of has bears no fucking relation to anything <laughs> yeah. about the. 
Uh, I think I'm going to go with Campbell Jones. Well, you would, wouldn't you? You'd be sick down yourself, do you? With no, Paulie, no, let's be honest. not again. Who have I got? No. Well, uh, option number one is the taped Crusader. Yes. Uh, he's 43. He's a veteran of more than 200 games for Nick Hancockian's RFC. Um, the taped Crusader, real name Clive Yodel, uh, has tried to compensate for the very real breakdown of his body as a result of years of injuries and wear and tear of playing rugby just by applying increasingly outrageous amounts of tape to his knees, oh, wrists, we've all ankles, played with them, we? elbows, shoulders. Anywhere that hurts, which now is effectively everywhere. Um, he's been known to get through two whole rolls of tape a game and during a game in 2003, he asked a medic to tape up a double compound leg fracture. Uh, the medic refused. So there you go. There's Just put the me back in there, in. boss. Yeah. yeah, it's fine. Just take I it like up. him. I like he's he's yeah. what rugby's all about, really. But go exactly. on. Exactly. Uh, and your second option is uh, the concept of ennui. Um, <laughs> nobody knows quite how the concept of ennui came to occupy the clubhouse at Pissington Rovers RFC. Um, maybe it was when they got those new carpets or when they cancelled the Sky Sports subscription. Anyway, there can be no doubt that the feeling of listlessness and dissatisfaction that just permeates the bones of the place. Is, is, is all pervading now. Um, actually, maybe it was that night they had the all-boys own karaoke night. But anyway, there you go. The concept of ennui. That's quite deep. However, I have definitely been in clubhouses that are permeated with that. Oh, yeah. It must oh, be yeah. said. In fact, that's probably most of, of community <laughs> rugby in Wales that's, now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. I'm going for the tape guy, though, because I couldn't, you know, I, I wouldn't mind yeah. He seems that. an interest. He's, he, as yeah. you say, he's what rugby's all about. Shall we do some news? Uh, probably, yeah. Here's the first bit of news, Josh. Have you? This has been. I actually did see this before it got sent by a couple of people on Twitter as well. Mm-hmm. Otago's John Nariki. Holy shit! This weekend pl- played rugby with. Get ready for a sharp and take a breath, everyone. A smashed <laughs> testicle. How? I mean, actually, as a point, how do you? Read? How does one smash a testicle? It doesn't shatter. Well, how can it what, smash? That's what I loved about the fucking. The article of it, that whether I read it, I can't even. I think it was on, it was on one of these silly websites. But um, the coach, who's um, uh, Ben Herring, who's the coach of, of Otago, said that um, it was, and I quote, "It was just a direct blow on the bullseye." <laughs> Which the thing is, he came off. Understandably, yeah, he came off after an hour with a ruptured testicle, and as then had well to go back on. But then, yeah, he had to go back on and play the last two minutes. It is. I mean, you know what? There's a much made about the toughness of rugby, and sometimes it's overplayed. <laughs> but honestly, in situations like this, can you think of any other sort of like major team sport where somebody go, "Yeah, me Tez is smashed, but I'll go back on." <laughs> like when well, Dane Coles went back on with smashed ribs that time. Apparently, what uh, Buck uh, Shelfer got his scrotum stitched up once, didn't he? And went back on. Yes. What what a coach said uh, after the game about him going back on said, "If you know Jonah, he's a particularly buoyant, buoyant fella." But the comment was, "Don't worry, mate. It's just a small operation." <laughs> but <laughs> smashed testicle. I would I would not be feeling particularly buoyant if I just had a smashed testicle. No, I'd be feeling. Well, let me tell you a story, Josh, or a couple of stories about my testicles. I've had. (laughs) I feel like the entire 121 episodes of the podcast has been building up to this. I had, when I was a teenager, a cyst removed from one of my testicles, and I've also had the I don't want any more kids operation. And I can tell you, they were fairly low impact, but there was still a significant amount of discomfort for a good few days. So the idea that somebody would smash your tether fills me with a very real sense of dread because I've had something... A rupture, you know. 10% of that I've experienced. They're not meant to rupture. 
they see like to be honest with you, they feel fairly robust. You, like you know, you have if you feel like if it's ruptured. True small story. When I, had, when I had my vasectomy, no. right? You sat there and he <laughs> true pulled, story when I had my vasectomy. Yeah, they pulled the tube. They pulled. It's now the name of this podcast. Yeah, they pulled please. the tube out and then and you, 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 he burns it with laser, caught it, and then and you, and you can see yeah. it and it, it's you're on the local. And then the second one, he goes, right, do you want to have a sit up and look at look at the uh, this, this one? I was like, why no. the fuck do you think I'd want to do that? What is wrong with you? It's, uh, I mean, my mates, uh, who I work with, dad is having a hip, had a hip replacement recently. And they don't give you local, they don't give you general for that anymore. Medicine. They put you on, they put you under local, but they do offer you headphones in so there, you can't hear them smacking so you like can't chisel, hear them. Yeah. And apparently his dad's mate said, ah, don't worry about the headphones. And then he said to his dad, whatever you do, have the fucking headphones unless yeah. you want to hear what is affecting Orthopedic surgeons are basically like carpenters. They don't, <laughs> yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, unless you want to hear somebody literally going at your fucking body with a fucking <laughs> hammer and chisel. drill and a hammer and chisel, <laughs> yeah. like have the headphones and listen to things as loud as possible. Now, when, when I went in for my, because you have a bit of a, a chat 10 minutes for your operation to confirm it's what you want, you know. And he said, um, he says, um, yeah, to be fair, it's not something to get into lightly. He said, it's not a bad day, is it outside? I said, no, it's not a bad day to have your testicles cut off. I say, <laughs> honestly, because that's what I do. Yes, and he goes, yeah. and he goes, and this doctor went, he's like quite middle class. He went, he went, oh, oh, oh. although to be clear, you do know him, we're not actually cutting your testicles off, don't you? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, yeah, it's all right. Yeah, I do yeah. know that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you had to take three really tight pairs of undies to wear home. So any fellas out there that are having this done, I'm giving you some really good inside information here. And of course, I didn't. I didn't this I, is incredible. I mean, did you when you started off this podcast? Literally, whatever it was, 15 minutes. Well, they ago, do say you, you should let people get to know you, don't they? So you know, even and whether you wanted to or not, you now all know me very well. Oh yeah. Right. So anyway, I don't what, think there's any news that can top that. What bit? <laughs> I do think that Smash Testicle, when you mentioned MasterChef before, does sound like something that would be on professional MasterChef. It does, yes. I'm doing Smash, a regret of Smash, lamb with Smash Testicle, Smash test- P-twat, and, and a wasp emulsion or something. Yeah, and a walnut jus. Yes. On right, um, more news. Yes. Uh, Os- please, for the love of God, change the subject <laughs> onto more news. Yeah. Ospreys have won the Women's Regional League, Josh. You've actually, so your club has won a trophy already this year. Brilliant. Congratulations. Um, Congratulations to them. I I didn't know that. I haven't been paying attention. I do like your honesty, Josh. I can see the blank look in your eyes. You could have gone, yeah, that's great. I'm really chuffed for the Ospreys. But actually, yeah. So actually, come on. Genuinely, I haven't been paying attention for the last day or so of rugby. So brilliant. I mean, I'm very happy for them. in the news, the WRU have voted for board modernisation. I know. Can you believe? You can't deny some fucking knicker-grabbing exciting news coming out, isn't there, for the WRU this week? Board modernisation. Approved. It is is Turkey's voting for Christmas. It is a big deal, actually. Which is mad. Absolutely mad. Good, good. So that's the news. Now then, what did weekend, Josh? We've had the first Euro weekend. How did you find it? We have. Uh... I really enjoyed it, actually. I mean, aside from things that I will come on to, um, on the whole, I thought it was a really interesting and quite compelling first weekend of Champions Cup rugby. Lots Absolutely, of stuff it was. I cannot Lots disagree of, with that. 
there were some ups, there were some downs, there were some surprises, there were some not at all surprises. Uh, yeah, it was really good. Well then, let's see what we kind of picked up from the weekend then. I yeah, people have very strange reactions to things. Is what I mean. <laughs> yes, the Freddie Burns and the Marowitoji thing. To give two examples. Yes. So Freddie Burns basically getting a ball slapped out of his hands by Medard. Yes. It was a magnificent bit of wrist, wrist slap tackle from Medard, actually, yes. by the way. Um, and then obviously Otoji cheering behind the Glasgow players. If I pick the Otoji thing first, mm. I looked at that and I thought that makes him look like a bit of a dick. Yeah, well, that, and that's was... as far as it went for me. <laughs> Whereas some people have literally said he should be Once cited, sent off, yeah, well, cited, and then somebody else said, "What did what other people be cited? Not be cited for a character flaw." You know, it's like this is just like over the last eighteen months, he's gradually sort of transformed from like mild mannered poetry writing nicest young man in rugby to happy clapping what? cheap shot taking turbo dick. But the Glasgow thing was just like his final... It was like him taking his final form. like. But I'm not sure it is, because that's a question I'm not sure of. What is the real Marowitoji? Yeah. Is it the one, the off-field, very... Because some people have said he's a very nice guy when they've met him off the pit. And he has Absolutely. got that kind of schoolboy, very polite voice so when he comes off, hasn't he? So apparently is Dylan Hartley. That doesn't mean... That doesn't... That's no fucking yeah. thing about being an absolute bellend on the field. And like, I get it. I personally think sledging's part and parcel of the game, to be honest. Yeah. The reason that I that annoyed me is because it was so performative, so unsubtle and not very funny. It's like Biff Tannen level humour. Yeah, and it's like it's already and, funny that they think they've scored. Yes. You sort of being a massive prick about it and like taking the piss out of them just makes you look like a bit of a twat. That's why I just thought it just makes him look like yeah. everyone's saying, I'm very happy with it. It's all about Needle. I said, yeah, but it's possible to accept the fact that it's about Needle and what he's doing is winding up the opposition and still thinking he looks a bit of a twat. The two aren't mutually yeah. exclusive. It's not no. a binary choice, you know. And, um, completely agree. But also, I think, have you ever been out on a night out with friends or with rugby clubs? I've done it. And you're like having a bit of a sing song or generally doing something that you and your friends do. And then some uh, random guy turns up on the periphery of your group, either joining yeah. in with your song or trying oh, to join. And you are like, who are you? And why are you being such a prick? <laughs> and that's yeah, basically this... what I told you did on the field, I think. Yeah, And that's why isn't... you should get that response. But equally, from the Billy Burns point of view, I thought it was really interesting. Freddie Burns. That people, uh, the, yeah, Freddie Burns thing. Like, a lot of people went in on Blackadder for hooking Burns after his try. Yeah. Which, I mean, like sometimes you, it is kinder to be a bit cruel in the moment. And as rough as that probably was on Burns, it was 100% the right decision, both from a coaching point of view and a player management point of view. From a coaching point of view, Burns was fucking gone. Like he was devastated his focus was absolutely all over the place. You could see it in him. He was a complete shell of a man. Hmm. There was no chance he was going to do anything other than be a fucking liability for the final four minutes of the game. Oh, and that's really? the thing. There were four minutes left in the game. It was there to... They were it was two points very behind. tight, yeah. It was two points behind. Like, would you want that sort of distraught Freddie Burns lining up a potential winning kick just lay face down on the floor with his head in his just, hands for probably yeah, about just, four minutes. Yeah, he was there for <laughs> it. You know, 
you can't like from a coaching point of view, you have to put yourself in the best position to win. And Burns, to be honest with you, it's not like Burns has done a lot to convince in that regard all game. Even before he missed the sitter and fucking dropped, knocked on a <laughs> like I I literally was in the midst of composing a tweet that said Freddie Burns owes himself a beer when he burst yes. through and looked like he was going to score because I was like, well, he spared his own blushes there, but no, he's just compounded his blushes massively. It was a funny game that as well, generally, because for the first 15 minutes, Bath looked terrible. Terrible, yeah. Absolutely terrible, like a borderline shambles, couldn't catch the ball or anything. Then he found himself suddenly leading come half-time. Yeah. And they were largely in control, weren't they? Toulouse weren't really offering much. It was they were really, in control, really... but they still didn't look very good. No, that's true. Like, from a player point of view as well, like getting Burns out of there was probably like the best thing for him because he, if he'd stayed on and thrown an interception or something because he was trying to... Never have recovered. Yeah, that's fuck, That's a career-destroying moment. That There's two men. Like, spare him that. Give him a week or so to get his head straight and then let him, before he gets anywhere near a rugby field again, is probably a good thing. But can we just talk about the fact that Bath now have lost two games this season. Hmm. Bearing in mind, we've only played like six games this season. Yeah. Bath have lost two of them directly as a result of a player being too casual in the act of try scoring. Oh, that is Tom, true, isn't it? Yeah. Tom Homer against Bristol, the first game of the season, where he just dropped it over the line because he was trying to put it down with one hand like a flash bastard. And Burns on Saturday. Mull Boyne got in touch on Twitter and he said... Uh, and it's a good point, this. He said, people citing the brotherhood of rugby as a reason not to pile in on Freddie Burns. Yet Ashton gets crucified, despite the fact that he's never blown a try ever with the Ashton. Yeah, well, it's very true, yeah. Is it? Yeah, well, he so, did, whereas he was he only dropped, one-handed. He has dropped one, hasn't he? Did he? Memory serves. It wasn't an important one. But I do think he's dropped one. But By the way, the point still stands that because Freddie's the kind of guy that people like... He has to be supported and lovely and let's all crowd around him and stuff. And actually, I don't think anybody should be crucified. But Ashton gets called all manner of bellend all the time. Yeah. Well, it's all about personality, isn't it? You know? It is. And the thing that I felt for... He was, so, he was to... very toadyingly apologetic after on Twitter, wasn't he? Bless him. I felt... And, but the thing is, I felt for him because, you know, he's a bath boy. Yeah, true. And what he was doing there was effectively sort of saluting the crowd and demonstrating his love for the club and in doing so lost the really, arena. Yeah. Lost why didn't he get in true game. football in true football style? Why didn't he get a man on shout? Yeah. Or did or could he not hear anyone over the crowd cheering and him going over the line? Because after he, he balls it up, mm. I can't remember which of his colleagues ran behind him and slapped him on the back of the head while he lay on the floor. Yes, and I was like, where were you shouting Why this? weren't you shouting, man on, man on, man on, put the fucking ball down, man on? <laughs> yeah, I did think the guy who came in and basically just hit him on the back of the head and called him a fucking idiot was like, <laughs> come on, mate. That's not what he needs at this moment. Uh, yeah, uh, so, but it was a perfect example, I think, of how, I mean, we all react a bit on Twitter, but yeah, People react yeah. to things very, very It was very a very weighted one, wasn't it? Yeah. You can't cite um, someone for being a bit of a bellend. No. You, you, well, you can't, you can't cite someone for a personality flaw, which <laughs> is that Marrow gets carried away and is a prick on the rugby field. Yes. That's not a... Like, if, you assign, if you're going to start citing people for negative personality flaws, then Oof, there will not be out. very many fucking rugby players left. Indeed. What else have one of you got from 
the weekend? Um, I learned that Billy Vunipola has some rotten fucking luck. Oh, I'll tell you what. Another Three broken, broken arm. arms in ten. Is it the this same is... arm? No, this is a new arm. Well, it's not a new arm. He's, well, he's got three arms. arms all... He's had both of his arms all of his life. Um, is he from the Isle of Man? Yeah, this, this one. Hey, um, this one isn't even. The... Yeah, it's the it's the left or the right arm, I think. And he broke the left one twice in the last ten months. I don't know what to say. It's weird. Nothing to say, is there? It's just, it's just really shit luck. I tell you what, though. Look. I don't know if you feel, but like, it's, it's always a bit weird for me. If you've like met a rugby player or someone like that, and you've and like we have with uh, with Billy, and yeah. sort of got on with him and really liked him and thought, you know what, he's a genuine. He was on his way back player. then, wasn't he? He'd he was, yeah. Well, that was the then, first yeah. arm break. Like, obviously, he's not he's not a fucking mate. But there's a weird sort. Of, maybe it's just me, but there's a sort of investment there once you kind of met them. But he's and a genuinely them. nice and warm yeah. guy. Once you met him and gone, well, actually, he's a nice guy. I feel a little bit. I felt more invested in him since then. And also, doesn't and seem like the type of guy well. who would do well doing a lot of time in rehab. No. So part of you goes, I really hope you're not in this very long because I don't think this is something that suits you. Not that it suits anybody, but particularly doesn't suit him. No. And but yeah, when shit like this happens, I'm just fucking gutted. Like it's. It's just ah, you you feel for him on a personal level because it's like you don't deserve yeah. that. You're a nice guy. There are bell ends in this game that never get fucking injured. Well, enter Zach um, Mercer now, though, of course. Well, indeed. Or does it? Or does, physical... Is it enter? Or is it enter Ben Morgan? Well, if you put, well, if, if you want somebody who carries like Billy, it's enter Ben Morgan, isn't it? That's the but, thing. But, but he does want... everything else like Ben Morgan. <laughs> No, I'm not saying it's... I'm just saying, if that's the only thing you want, then, yeah. then that's you go. But there is that question mark with Mercer being slightly too... He works hard, great player, but slightly yeah, a bit lightweight like for international. I think he's more of a six at an international level or maybe a seven. But we'll find um, out soon enough. I'll tell you what, though, going back to citing people for personality flaws, of course, the reason that England are fucked with number eights now is because... Nathan Hughes is going to get a long old ban for, <laughs> for tweeting during fucking disciplinary hearing, which is, I mean, Jesus Christ. It's I'll tell you silly. what, Twitter needs it's more, what, it's fuck- Twitter needs more it's- biscuit-related jokes about disciplinary hearings. Oh, Aren't they fucking God. brilliant? <laughs> I mean, I feel like we were at the vanguard of the biscuit jokes, but that was a long time ago. <laughs> they're not really, they're yeah. not really funny anymore, are they? No. And... Just why would you tweet in the midst of a disciplinary hearing? You know they don't have a sense of humour. That's it. why you're there. They're not. I mean, let's be honest. Some rugby players aren't the brightest people, are they? Some people aren't no. the brightest people. So you have just thought, yeah. The trouble with being able to express your frustration out to the whole world. I do it's it sometimes and make myself yeah. look stupid, but it doesn't matter for me. No, because nobody cares about us. No, if you're a professional rugby player. Things uh, escalate. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, what else have we learned there? What else have we got this weekend? Newcastle can win in Toulon, but they can't win in Sale. <laughs> what is I that mean, all about? How many times, though, have we seen this whole like change of environment, change of pace for European things totally transform a team's mindset and fortune? Like, it happened with the Ospreys last season. They were dog shit in the Pro 12. And they That's couldn't true, beat yeah. anyone. And then they they get into Europe and they fucking beat Clermont. And it's like, 
no, doesn't make any sense at all. And I mean, it's a good way to focus the mind winning your first game of the season away to too long, isn't it? Yeah, it's all that Fekatoa and Hugo Bonneval on the bench. I tell you what, Toulon are a disgrace this season. Like, <laughs> no, I don't want to take anything away from Newcastle, but I'm afraid you have to because Toulon are a shambles. Like, for all of the... They've been a declining force for a couple of years now, but the level to which they have just... They look rudderless. Yeah. They are literally... And it does sound like we're taking something away from Newcastle, but we're not. But the fact it's, fun, it's an amazing are, thing to go and win over there against that yeah. team in that stadium. Yeah, but if it they, had been they've lost twice three years ever. ago, it would have been an insurance job. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's the fact that you know you're the second ever team to win at the at the Stade Félix Mayol in the in the challenge in the Champions Cup rather is a remarkably brilliant achievement. Yeah, you know, absolutely. But. You equally need to talk about how fucking bad the Toulon are because I I, I genuinely was thinking, I wonder if Reese Webb's got a relegation clause in his contract <laughs> because genuinely that's the thing now. Why wasn't he playing? Is he injured? I don't think so. And that in itself is a fucking massive bloody red flag warning sign. They spent all this money to get Reese Webb over there. By all accounts, he seems to be loving life in France. So why the hell isn't he playing for that mob? You know, <laughs> they're a shower of shit. Are you telling me one of the best nines in the world wouldn't make them better? Maybe he is injured, I don't know, but it's, yeah. Yeah. Weird. And also, uh, looking through a team sheet like I did at the weekend, the Newcastle had the wonderfully named Pedro Betancourt Avila. I mean, if he's not Argentinian, I'd be well, very disappointed. But yes. Yeah, so anyway, hey, speaking of sale... <laughs> yes. I've, I've done another song. Uh-oh. So let me just get my guitar. <laughs> I've not run through this very much, so, you know, pre- prepare yourself for it not being too good. I'm, I'm literally on the edge of my seat, as you can see. Now, this is the song Dimes, <laughs> the tune of Dumb by Nirvana, about Steve Diamond. Amazing. Music by it. Kurt Cobain, words by yeah. the Blood and Mud podcast, sung by me. I'll be ready. I'm not like them, because I own the club, the king in the north. I have Russians as subs. Trading is done. I shouted 5,000 times. I think I'm dimes, and I'm not fucking happy. I'm not fucking happy Brought through the pack We finished bottom half I signed loads of backs We still finished bottom half It's almost like I'm not sure what to do But if you point this out I'll fucking nut you I'm not like that (laughs) I own the club the king in the north, I am Russians as subs. The training is done, I shouted 5,000 times. I think I'm dimes, and I'm not fucking happy. Not fucking happy. I think I'm dimes, I think I'm dimes. I think I'm dimes, I think I'm dimes. What? I'm singing! I'll be out in a minute! 
I mean, so good was that that I felt obliged to add my own uh, cod cello. Cello fill, yes. Yeah, yeah it, loved it. There you go then, moving on. Top that, Gardner. Uh, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, uh, fuck, we're still doing what we learned, aren't we? Yeah, um, I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I've learned that BT Sport doesn't give a fuck about the Challenge Cup. Oh, yeah, you, um, were, on, you uh, were on one on this, weren't you? Apparently neither does the EPCR. Like, there were 10 games in the Challenge Cup this weekend, several of which were played at different times to Heineken Cup games. Uh, how many of them were broadcast live? Not a single fucking one. And they've got three because channels and there was no Premier League football this weekend. They've got four channels. Four channels and no Premier League football this weekend. Yeah, not a single... Like, they're the exclusive broadcaster of all European rugby now. They're the home of rugby. And they decided that, you know, half of the European rugby this weekend wasn't worth it. And, like, what's the rationale of that from a business or a rugby point of view? Like, fair enough. BC want the Heineken Cup. It's the main event. They should make it a priority, obviously. Hmm. Show all of the game. They've got four channels. Like you said, they've got huge programming blocks that are literally just showing fucking tennis highlights or documentaries on their channels that have been on the night before. Bob. What's the stat look decent? Bordeaux Connacht look decent. They're all fairly yeah. decent fixtures to be throwing it's yourself the, out there. They're not they've paid you know, technically they've paid millions for these. And they're big, like you say, they're big teams in the Challenge Cup this season. There's Claremont, there's Quinns, there's Saints, there's the Ospreys, there's Stad. I personally want to see Claremont crushing everybody under their feet Absolutely. like small insects. That's that's yeah. kind of what I want to pay my subscription for. But like, why why did they buy them in the first place if they didn't want them or had no intention of actually showing them? Or if you're the EPCR or whatever the fuck it's called now, did they did they say, oh well, if you want the Heineken Cup, you've got to have the Challenge Cup as well? And if they did that, then why didn't they also stipulate, oh, and by the way, you have actually got to show it. <laughs> you can't just buy it to keep it away from Sky. Um, the weird thing is, they're already fucking subcontracting the rights free to air because they're already letting Bath sim- uh, Channel 4 simulcast a Challenge Cup ga- uh, Champions Cup game every weekend. So why not say to Channel 4, well, instead of showing this game that's already on BT Sport... Why don't you have two Challenge Cup games instead for the same price and have something unique that people will come and watch? But there's big names. You can say Claremont Laverne and Northampton or mm. Quinns or Ospreys or Stade Francais or Poe or whatever. You know, there are big teams in this. And it just seems so obvious and so easy and they've just not done it. I'm sure they'll start showing things later on. Yeah. Once they, you know, they get to the knockout stages and everything, but the group stages are fucking important too. I said, there's plenty of time to show other stuff, isn't there? Yeah, or well, red button the... it or something. Well, when the eight o'clock Challenge Cup uh, kickoff was on on Saturday night, they were show they were showing live uh, college football on two of their channels, which, to be honest, with you, fair enough. Um, but yeah, the other channel was showing a repeat of that fucking BOD documentary and the other channel was showing highlights of the Hong Kong Masters Open tennis. Highlights. Not even live. Just put it on. Has this ever happened oh. before? I can't remember there being a whole weekend of no Challenge Cup being broadcast. No. It's, to be honest with you, it's a fucking disgrace. Like, it's basically saying 50% of European competition, which it is, it's more than 50% actually, because, you know... There's more teams in the cha- in the Challenge Cup than in the Champions Cup, but they're just saying you don't fucking matter. This competition that, let's be honest, does 
is a big deal. Look at how fucking delighted Cardiff were about winning it. I will it last say, season. if you'd have said this to me five years ago or three years ago, I'd have gone, ah, who fucking yeah. cares? The clubs don't care, so why the fuck should I sort of thing? And why should the broadcaster? But I think that's the case now. I do think there has... Yeah, certainly some of the French clubs don't care. Yeah, indeed. Because they're worried about their league situation. And, you know, certainly teams like Bristol don't give a shit either because they made like 12 changes and still won 40, 20-something or whatever. But, you know... Claremont were not fucking about. No. <laughs> the Ospreys played a, a relatively strong team. Saints played a relatively strong team. It's still European rugby, and the last thing we want is for the Challenge Cup to revert, like you say, again, back to this sort of living death Europa League fucking nonsense that nobody cares about until the semi-final. Like, just, you know, it's a decent tournament with good teams in it now, especially since they reduced the size of the Heineken Cup. Show it. Actually, show this thing you paid for. Uh, Gloucester, of course, are back in yes. the Champions Cup, and it's quite clearly yes. their year after their not convincing but good win. Over, they win over a. Wait for it. It's not working. I don't know why Cast. it's not working. It just isn't. Cast. No, it's not working. Cast. The fucking thing's not working. Oh no. Are you gutted? Uh, yeah. No, it I'll is. I, I've, I've pushed the wrong slider up. Oh, fuck. I mean, oh, yay. That is what they say, hey, Josh. <laughs> That's what you need to understand. <laughs> is that what they say, hey? It is what they say, hey. Um, <coughs> yes, they, yes. Beat, they beat that band. Um, yeah, nineteen fourteen. Castro have only won four games away. I think they the are all of European competition. Extremely French. In yeah, that very regard, French. Um, but still, it was quite a test for Gloucester. I thought lots of people talk about how Cipriani came through with flying colours. People are so fucking desperate for that to be true. It's. I mean, let's not get away from it. His. It's not. We know form and class are not the same things, mm-hmm. and picking players because you know there are people saying, "Oh, Thomas Young for Wales," and we'll come on to Thomas Young later. Yeah, Thomas right. Young for Wales after he's had one game this season, he played well in. Let's chill out. Yeah, but we'll Cipriani, come on to later as well, no doubt. Cipriani has been in very good form for eighteen months for two different clubs now, uh, and all he does is kind of win games, which fair play to him, but he doesn't do it on his own. Like and he doesn't like Gloucester's transformation is as much to do with the fact that they've recruited seven thousand incredibly massive South Africans to fill that fucking pack. Grover's you know, a monster, isn't he? Jesus, he's he, a and monster. Imagine when they bring Mostar in there as well. Oh, yeah. Um, and the thing is, I can't see how Cipri for Cipriani to be selected, given the fact he's not really been in the picture for a while and where mm. he is now, he'd have to be so much better than Farrell and Ford. And the and thing I'm is, not saying both he Farrell is, and Ford are playing well at the moment. And I'm not saying he isn't playing, maybe he is playing a bit better than George Ford, but in order to withdraw from the bank, you have to pay into it in the first place, <laughs> don't you? Yeah, exactly. And for numerous reasons, whether he likes it or not, sometimes the bank's been closed and he couldn't go there. Other times he's walked in the bank and pissed all over the counter, then left again. Yeah. But the fact is, is that that's where he's at. And as unfair as it might seem, it's not really that crazy. 
that he's, he's not, not going to be starting for England. He's had a decent yeah. start to the season. And yeah, I mean, and the, the problem is that neither Ford or Farrell are shitting the bed at the moment. Not a like in a, in a, in an absolutely hat stand Leicester team at the moment. George Ford is playing pretty well. Especially with Eastman alongside him. But yeah. Especially with Eastman alongside him. There's also the thing with Cipriani, because whether we like it or not, there could be a situation where sometime next summer, when he's nailed on as the starter, he goes out and does something fucking stupid. <laughs> and he can or sort of say, well, it's not his fault complete... and he must be targeted. And it's like, well, no, but these things keep... There's a point at which you are the set, you're the, you're the common denominator here. Yeah. And also, there's an argument to be made that he just... I'm never convinced that he's not going the wheels are not going to fucking come off with that guy and bad Danny is going to reappear and the decision making is going to go to fucking pot again because it rears its head occasionally and as much as he's worked really hard and done a really fucking good job of minimising that he will always have that in him and that should I mean, and so will Ford people will say yeah but oh, Ford Ford, with Ford, I'd say the peaks are not as lofty, but the valleys are not quite as fucking diabolical yeah, either. he just sometimes fails to get a grip on a game, Ford. He doesn't yeah. do stuff so Ford is stupid sort of, that you... Ford yeah, is sort of like this. He doesn't do yeah. silly things, does he? It's not really helpful in the podcast for me to be Joel's gesturing. Do, uh, Josh I, is doing his hand. Yes, like I'm fish, doing it. would you say? I'm like doing a sort of, sort of move? Awfully, I'd say it's like a sine wave, but then I, I would... Um, but yeah, Cipriani's sort of like a fucking EKG or something. He's bloody up and down. Yeah, yeah. And his run is, chart the... has lots of peaks and a high control band. I don't think sure. that makes any sense. But go on. Sure. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah. Shall we do the? We're going to cover more stuff when we go through shit good. So, shall yes. we do the challenged cup? Yeah. Oh. I think uh-oh. it's time, isn't it? Look. We were all bored of the Challenge Cup being with the Dragons all the time, right? We didn't mean that we wanted it to go to Romania. Um, so, yeah, the Drags battered Timisoara. Is it Timisoara? Timisoara is what I would say. Timisoara, okay. Uh, on Saturday, meaning that if the uh, Saracens don't win next week, uh, we're off to the Romanian Superliga. And who have they got next week? Why Claremont and away? Uh, so, no dramas. Um Interestingly, uh, fans of the original Cuthbert Police on Cup may be interested to read uh, from Paul Johns on Twitter, who has been diligently, diligently following yeah, the, yeah, performing the a Cup's great journey service, since yeah. we just fucking gave up on it um, when it went to Russia. Um, he says, if you were wondering where the original CPC is, Bedford Athletic are on a five-match run with the Hallowed Cup in London and South East Premier Division. Uh, they're not from six this season, but have one team below them in the table, Shelford, who they meet away on the 17th of November. Well, we'll leave you to keep up with that, Paul, because God knows yeah. I'm not going to. Um, Somehow the CPC has made it from Krasny Yard to Bedford Athletic. I think it was the Bedford. army game, wasn't it? It was that army game, which he also says that uh, if we choose not to count that army game as it may have been a friendly, we can't really decide. Um, they're currently... It's currently... If it was technically still in the Russian league, then... Uh, that means that they are with a team in Russia called Asgard, which... You're doing the Lord's work there. Into Paul. it. You really are. Well, Paul's just following all of these things far beyond the point where we lose interest in them, and I've right. got... That's, but yeah, there's a team in Russia called Asgard. Good. And their logo is a big tree. 
Fantastic. So, um, if it doesn't return from Romania next week, which it's not going to, no. this is the end of it, isn't it? I mean, it certainly seems like you want it to be the end. <laughs> well, okay. No, it was. I was. I, I was mean, making an assumption. So, is it not the end of it? Un- Can we follow say, it round un- Romania? I would say, unlike the Russian league, which is very hard to get any kind of info on, the Romanian league. I mean, uh, Saracens actually have an English language site, for example. Oh, okay. So we could, like the, right, the Romanian well, yeah, league fine, is, cool. is is entirely keep upable with, although I it's not on Ultimate Rugby, so um, I will have to try and do that manually. Keep upable with is a fantastic word, by the way. Yes, well, I just you know I'm a wordsmith. What can I tell you? Um, yeah, okay. I mean, I am getting a bit bored of this now. I'll level with you, but if it goes on a you know if it goes on a sort of CPC esque journey to maybe we won't do it every London week. Southeast Premier Division, whatever. Maybe we'll just tell you about when it changes hands. Yeah, we'll just we'll dip into it. We'll keep a yeah. watching brief. Yeah, we'll dip into it because none of us want to say yes. The shittest team in Romania has still got it this week. <laughs> no, no, we don't do that. So that's the end of no. that. Snap, snap. At AIB, we don't make technology for you to bank. We make it for you to live. Just watch. So you can apply and get a loan through your AIB app. Or online. All from the comfort of home. Banking to fit the way you live. AIB. We back doing. Lender criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only. Subject to approval. Security may be required. Allied Irish Banks PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. ACAST recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Yeah. Shall we do the shit, the shit in the good? Before we get yes. into the detail of this, Andy in mm. Brum, old friend, yes. long-time listener, has mm-hmm. been in touch, and he said, good, this weekend, yes. at my lad's kids' rugby training... I nailed a touch-finding torpedo kick for the first time in 40 years on this planet, he says. Bad play. Caught it sweet. He said, however, what was shit was, he said it was beautiful in its trajectory right up until it smacked the nicest kid in the team right in the face. I don't see that as a bad thing at all. I see that's, you know, somebody's just got to pay the price for these things. So absolutely, Andy. To be honest, Andy, yeah, you deserve that kick, mate. And Don't let that, don't yeah. let that kid get yeah. smacked in the face with it. Yeah. Somebody's got from somebody has credit. to pay the price for your bit of good Beautiful fortune and great skill. Kick. Yeah. So good for you, Andy. Right then, shall we do let's do shit first. Okay. Let's um, here's what I think shit, right? Yeah. People saying things like Leicester or the Island team as a pejorative sort of thing. Yes. Uh, oh yeah, they say oh they're just a well rested Irish team. Then why why, yeah. why is that why do you keep saying that as if that's somehow having a go at them? 
I tell you what's interesting about that whole thing is that it's really interesting how the flip side of that works when if you talk to any if you mention any Leicester fan to any Leinster fan anything around Leinster's finances yeah instantly they're very very angry and upset and they get very very like you talk about Leinster to a lot of premiership fans they get very knocked about the fact that they basically only ever play their full strength team in Europe hmm. and if you talk to any Leinster because they've got a massive squad but you talk to any Leinster fans about how they're paying for that equally just as annoyed it's almost like the total weird like non fucking clear opaque bollocks that is Irish rugby's funding system just creates an awful lot of sort of Chinese whispers and weirdness and annoyance and it's like yeah, just chill out, guys. Well, why does it matter? A lot of... Why does it matter? They, they develop well, quite a lot of players through their academy, through their link yeah. schools and their community. Yes, all right, they, they, they dip into Connacht and dip into Munster. I understand that, but every other team does that. Yeah. You know, Saracens yeah. have signed Lewington from London Irish. What do you mm. expect people are go- clubs are going to do? What's just because are? the IRF, IRFU might direct some of it well, doesn't mean it any it. more yeah. or less better. Well, whatever. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. It's like, because I the clubs themselves it, couldn't generate enough revenue probably without no. it. Well, they, of course they couldn't. And that's the thing that I find a little bit weird. It's like, do you think that your players are like, so all our players are academy boys. They're, you know, they're not earning much money. Or they're all homegrown. Yeah, they're all homegrown. They're all earning a fucking hell of a lot of money, though. Otherwise, they'd be fucking off to France. But it's no guarantee it's, of success either, though, is it? It's no guarantee of success. They're doing a fantastic job with the best academy in world rugby bar none, I would say. Certainly the best kind of development pathway of any team in rugby in either hemisphere in terms of the talent that they bring through. And what, you know, that's e- thing, why equally, they've not, got to pay for that. But why are we they've not got... celebrating that, that they found a way to make that work? Because they've got, a bit because like New get... Zealand, a more forward-looking thing. Because they get chippy whenever anybody mentions the fact that they're also paying fuckloads of money for players like Johnny Sexton. And they're acting as if all of these players basically play for fun or because they just love Leinster so much well, and they nice. love the Irish jersey so much. It's bollocks. They're paying, they are paying. don't love the Irish jersey more than they love fucking filthy lucre like everybody else. And just be like, you can be both things. You can have an incredible academy that is the envy of world rugby and is fantastic and does an incredible job of bringing players through. And you've also got a massive checkbook that allows you to keep players like Johnny Sexton and Connor Murray and all of these players that could basically name their price in either England or France. And either that's way, fine. Though. They can be both of those things. You don't, like English and any other fans shouldn't get chippy about it. And equally, Irish fans shouldn't get chippy about it. Just be okay with what it is and it's regardless different. of how people pay and all that kind of stuff that performance they put in on Friday against a team Actually that was dominant. third in the fucking premiership by the way yeah with a fucking all black at 10 at 10 and a springbok at 15 a good sprinkling of international players throughout yeah. it got, got re- absolutely fucking <laughs> battered Somebody got, like, a couple of people got really narky when I described that Wasps team as star-studded on, 
<laughs> what's it its is. fucking... St- like, the, that's what the word star-studded means. It means it's studded with stars, like all of the stars. <laughs> How many, you know, what team in the world wouldn't like Sopwaga or fucking Elliot Daly or... Or Villarou. Or or, you know, it's... These are some of the best players in the world at their positions. And, okay, Wasps had a few injuries. Wasps were not at full strength. Fair enough. Leinster weren't at full strength either. Technically, they had a couple of injuries. Sean O'Brien was on the bench. Came off on 57 minutes. Came on on 57 minutes. Scott Fardy came off the bench. You know, shit like that coming on. They've got it tough (laughs) as well. Yeah, that's the thing that, you know, Leinster are... I mean, Southern Hemisphere people get annoyed about these things. I genuinely think Leinster are the best rugby team on the planet. I think they'd fucking batter anybody. It's, it's unknowable, isn't it? But there's enough Ellis, There's enough in watching them play and watching other bits of rugby to know that they are right up there. Yeah. And it's no disagreement. And some of the best rugby team, like in terms of like the quality, they are up there with some of the best teams to ever play the game at club level. And it's what they did to Wasps is just utterly I mean it's borderline unprecedented the third best team in England does not go to fucking no Ireland and get battered like that no and carries no line breaks nothing yeah they basically it was weird I mean that first half was weird in that the scoreboard just lied massively yeah <laughs> because at no at no point were they anywhere near Leinster at all like it was close on the scoreboard but it was effectively Ropato and that's the thing that I think is really interesting about this Leinster team is the way that they just they've they understand the sort of notion that any defensive system has a sort of a maximum load that it can tolerate and they also use possession as a defensive mechanism yeah you cannot win the game if you do not have the ball i've seen any other team do well yeah you look at you know exeter tried to do that last season but all they did was effectively just go between the fucking tram lines on the outside of the 22 and got nowhere because they didn't understand that you can't if you just keep running the same fucking lines and the same fucking moves over and over again teams get very smart to it very quickly but what Leinster have got is that they're really fucking smart with it as well and they don't they they know that there's a finite amount of time that a defense can hold out before something happens but they're also very good at exploiting it I when it does they're doing all this with Luke McGrath at scrum Arthur. he's not exactly you know <laughs> he's not a liar you know what he's I mean? not he's, a liar he's is a young he? lad he's, all, he's a good player he's got a lot a long way to go and stuff but um yeah, oh, speaking of Exeter, what, what, a, you game, think? what a game that yeah. was, by the way. Oh, what an unentertaining... I, going back to Leinster Wasps, though, it's worth remembering that whatever it is, fucking three years ago, Wasps went to Leinster in the first game of the Heineken Cup and won 33-6. Yeah, that is a very good point, actually. So what do you think about... times It's have not just changed. about spending money, is it? No, it's, it's a dramatic... I mean... I know English journalists like to talk about this probably more than and give it more credit than it's due, but I do think you can't really understate Stuart Lancaster's impact on that and how dramatically... Well, if it's a correlation and not causation, it's a hell of a coincidence, isn't it? Indeed. And it's 
it's a lot of stuff that has just, it's, you know, it's been a perfect storm, really, let's be honest. And quite how repeatable it is, I don't know. But for the time being, it's an astonishing turnaround in the space of a year or two that has taken Leinster from looking like a team that were properly in the decline to looking like they're going to dominate European rugby for years to come. Yeah, and then Exeter Munster. I fucking loved that game. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. I know it was like it was like a proper like blood and thunder thing, but it was a great game to watch. I, th- I thought I really didn't. Yeah. I just thought, well, I look at Exeter and I look at Munster. I see two teams that are very good at doing the same thing, and they sort of just cancelled the other out. It's like there wasn't yeah, a great deal. I love that. There was something to admire about the fact they just kept smashing, just into, smashing each into each other. Over, and I was like, I, I was blowing a gale, and you know. I lasted about 20 minutes and I switched over to Montpellier and uh, Edinburgh, which was a much better fucking game, to be honest. Yeah, Edinburgh was, were brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did really enjoy um, it. What yeah, else have I you got as shit? Um, shit. Scarlet's game management. 10 minutes to go, they were cruising. Like It wasn't. It was tight still, but they were totally in control. Racing looked like they absolutely shot their bolt. They were hugely undisciplined. They were giving away penalties all over the place. And then all of a sudden... The Scarlets just shat the bed. Like their hand, their game management went to shit. The composure went to shit. They were just inviting pressure with bad kicks and bad decisions. The next thing you know, Racing had absolutely robbed a win. That was daylight robbery. And once again, the Scarlets find themselves in a position where they're probably going to have to win out to get out of their group. And to be honest, I know Racing are a good team. They were beaten finalists last year, and they're better, I'd say, this year than they were last year with Finn Russell at ten. But they they should, you know, the Scarlets should have won this pool. And now they shut the bed again. And I don't really understand, like, I don't think that happens with Patchell at 10. I hope mm. it doesn't anyway. But Dan Jones was a, you know, didn't play badly. It was just like a collective sort of, they switched off with five minutes to go. and went. It was oh, a feeling of ennui. Well, yeah. They'd have come out of the clubhouse and drifted across the pitch. <laughs> um, the... Um, Glasgow the same. You can moan about the ref and how much of a knob the told yeah. you is, but actually that was the game management and not take, you know, leaving points Six on the field. Points. No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so what else have we got this shit? I've got that I was reminded again this weekend how much it boils my piss that ref tell the ref is always telling players when the ball is in, out, or taken That's back in to the twenty two. Indeed, shaking all the When mouth. did that become a thing? When did it become uh, it, a thing that players don't have to know where they are on the fucking field anymore? <laughs> um, it's interesting. I guess it. They, I guess you should be watching the fucking ball as a player. Sure. Like, what you should do, whatever it is you should be doing, you should not be relying on the ref to tell you where on the field you are. Well, in the same way that then you know the ref is required to tell players when the ball is in or out of a ruck. It's like if it's behind the back foot, it's out. But I can, there's a there's a continuity thing with that. I can understand in some yeah. way in that it's like it's, it's better to coach it's an interpretation that to keep thing, it yeah, kind of going because otherwise, whereas that it this isn't that. I don't think it does. No, it's not. It's it doesn't make a great deal of sense. You are right. I just don't get it. And, and when did it become a directive? People just suddenly started to do it. I don't know well, when. Well, it just when in. it became a, when it became the you couldn't pass back into the twenty two and boot it straight out thing. 
which is about 2009, something like that. I think it happened. That long, though. But I think. Do you know what it? Wrong. Do you know what it happened, <laughs> or when it might have happened, is when uh, Stephen Jones gave Ireland the 2009 Grand Slam. It was a direct result of booting out on the full, having it been passed back in. Um, maybe at that point, Will Ruby went. Maybe we should shout so that they know that in case it's been gone a couple of, I think because particularly because it's gone a couple of phases as well. Players are sort of like, they're saying, they're thinking of players, if that ball was passed back into the 22 a phase or so ago, I don't actually know because once, it's, once it goes to a ruck, then that's, if it's passed out of there, then it's inside, isn't it? Yeah, that's, no, it's just bollocks. No, it it's doesn't make any sense. It. You're right. It's silly. To fucking it's utterly po- like forward passes, for example. It's utterly pointless, yeah. Have you got any more shit? Uh, my lo- only other shit is uh, Joe Latter's lid. Oh, uh, was he the one with I that like, back long bit at the back? Yeah, of a I don't. Head? Yeah, well, basically, he's got effectively got a triangle on the back, on the lower back half of his head, and everything else is shit. I don't know whether you like. He went down to Exeter for a trim, and the barber <laughs> assumed that because he was a rugby player, he wanted the most ridiculous haircut possible. Short back and side, I mean, sir, or mental shit? <laughs> mental shit, please. Even, to be honest with you, even by Jack Noel's new tribute to Britney's head shave breakdown haircut, um, nothing, I don't even see how that can compare with... I didn't, What do you even call it? it, it is, it's mental it's shit. It's like a reverse wedge. It is a bit. It's the sort of barnet that says, I must be fucking hard to have this haircut in order to not get openly mocked wherever I go. And I honestly think that's It's the sort part... of haircut that says, yes, I am on day release. Yeah, well, it's the sort of haircut that says, yes, I'm hard enough to get away with this because nobody's going to tell me otherwise. I think that's why a lot of, particularly forwards, have intentionally terrible haircuts. Mm. Because they say, well... If I rock this haircut, then that must mean that people don't take the piss out of me, even though it is absolutely there for the taking. <laughs> it's it's basically it's basically an assertion of manliness and it's strength. A ma- it's a man test. <laughs> it is awful. Uh, right, then, oh. we also got this shit uh, off Twitter. Steve Ale Overly got in touch, our Italian friend, and he uh-huh. says, shit is, I'd say, Sopoanga's beard, yes, chin strap, Amish beard. I'll tell you what, I've got a lot of time for Lima Sopoanga's facial hair. Really? I just find the level of Oh, because of the craft involved, detail in it. It's just, it's immaculate. It's like one of those like really nicely trimmed hedges that you see outside of posh people's houses. Topiary, is that the word? Yes, it is very topiary. It was, yeah, it says Sopoanga's beard, Andrew Brace's reffing and Ulster's jerseys were all very, very ugly. He also suggests uh, that the Challenge Cup should be a straight-up straight knockout competition to make it more interesting. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the Challenge Cup is is perfectly interesting if just people would give a fuck about it. Um, Andrew Brace, I'll be honest with you, not great. Is he the Welsh Irishman, Andrew Brace? Uh, Andrew Brace is the Welsh Belgian. Um, Yeah, former Belgium international, and uh, I don't. I'll be honest with you, I don't think the. I thought the yellow card was fine. I didn't have any problem with that. I did think a lot of the other things that he did in that game were fucking was he, the, was he the Kano yellow card? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, with you. Yeah, I could see why it was given. Particularly, I don't know why people it, are surprised yeah. anymore. No, uh, but then equally, and Austin Healy and uh, Flatman were getting very annoyed about the fact that he did miss 
a, the Toulouse prop just dropping yes. a shoulder and run steaming in straight into someone's face, uh, literally directly in front of him at a ruck, and did absolutely nothing about it. And that should have been a straight red instantly. But uh, yeah. Oh. What else have we got off Twitter? Richie Quoth the Raven says, No, Richie Quoth the Craven. See what he's done there. Hey. Says, uh, shit, was Roman t- Poit getting injured in the Lancet game? <laughs> you very nearly did a Jeremy Cunt, then. I did, yeah. I thought, I actually thought that was really Roman good. Twat. I thought that yeah. Reese Ruddock driving his knee straight up Poit hoop was, was a wonderful I, thing. I just had a great deal of respect for Roman Twat. See, I did. <laughs> now that we've said it, it's awful. Um, for him just being prone on the floor with the sort of whistle in his mouth like a, a weird kind of whatever they did give those people who are having electric convulsive therapy or like, and a, just kind of, like Kate Winslet at the end of Titanic blowing that whistle for the for the ship to come yeah, back like, <laughs> I was like I see I assume I assume the whistle must have come from like a touch judge or something but it's like no no he just blew that on the floor <laughs> while while concussed um although yeah. although um Richie does say that it does prove a valuable point of what happens when a normal person takes even a glancing knock from a professional rugby player. Incredibly correct, yeah. Um, Ali McFarlane says, shit, was not only having to play Saracens, but having to play the ref as well. Yeah, but you had yourselves to blame on that one, Ali, as well, I think. Yeah. Paul Simmons got in touch on Twitter at Blood and Modern. He said, shit, was Gloucester releasing a perfectly serviceable second row in Gazelay without cover, but good was, was Banners giving it a fucking full, fuck it, I'll do it myself, to cover the second row gap. Good fair man. Good I mean, he's, he's big enough to play in the second row, so it's just, yeah, fair play. Joe Taring got in touch on Twitter. He says, shit, is Stuart Barnes yeah. weirdly using the fact that Freddie Burns had coffee with an ex-teammate the day before the game as a mitigating factor as it meant he didn't have the, quote, unyielding, contrived animosity, unquote, no, I've no idea what that means either. That made Bath so successful back in his day. So there you go. Unyielding, what... contrived animosity. <laughs> that literally, from a pure English point of view, you're a sub editor, Josh. Not would you stand for that shit if it came in the copy that was put in front of you? At all. No, I would say two of those words do not belong together. Unyielding and contrived. <laughs> Yeah, I've oh. contrived it, and now I won't I've contri- yield it. Yeah, no, I've contrived what? this thing that I'm suddenly really passionate about. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, yeah. But he has to keep himself relevant by using phrases like that, doesn't he? He does. Dylan Pugh agrees with you and said, shit, was BT Sport deciding that the Challenge Cup isn't worth watching? Right, let's move on to good, shall we? I think we probably should, yeah. What have you got that's good? Uh, my first good is Robbie Bloody Henshaw. Oof. James Lowe is understandably getting all the headlines, obviously, and it's worth remembering that James Lowe wasn't even in Leinster squad for the semi or the final last year because they needed... Uh, for more metres than the entire Wasps team. Yes. Imagine how they're going to be with him as a fully integrated part of their fucking setup now. Ugh. Uh, but Henshaw, best player on the pitch, I thought. Probably one of the best performances of his career as well because... Like he's always been a big, strong, quick lad, which is handy. But he seems to have added more and more stuff to his game all the time. Like he was passing the way he was offloading against Wasps was like, oh, I haven't seen him do much of that before. And oh dear, those deft little touches, those smart decisions that he was making, the good support lines that he was running. Like I don't think he was doing that a year ago. 
and a decent kicking game aside, he is like very near being everything you need, like a complete 12 who can do everything. Yeah, he does look, yeah, quite. He looks... Well, he's always been conscious. Ringrose gets more praise for being this consummate yes. Player, doesn't he? He's because well, Ring Rose is a footballer. And Ring Rose, he, it's a sight test thing, isn't it? Yeah. It's the undervalued thing. Ring Rose <coughs> looks better. Yeah. It's a Henry Slade yeah. thing, isn't it? Henry Slade looks like he's better than everybody else yeah. when he moves. Uh, Dave Atwood was great for Bath, actually. Nice to see yes, him back to play in some kind of form. That was a good from me. Have you got um, any more? Um, from that game, Thomas Young. Oh, I think I now, tweeted at the time. I think you did. Justifiably say this. None of this is my fucking fault. <laughs> yeah. Well, I went. I went down to Wembley last night uh, to watch the NFL, and there was significant. Oh, did yeah, I did indeed. I, there were significant portions of uh, Seattle's blowout win against the Raiders, where it looked like Raiders QB Derek Carr was literally the only man on his team who was even trying to do his job properly. <laughs> he was ducking. He was diving. He was scrambling for his life. He was generally doing a fair impression of King Canute, to be honest. Um, and it did remind me a lot of what I saw from Thomas Young on Friday night, because while the rest of that Wasp team were just com- collectively shitting themselves everywhere, he was there just slowing the ball down and making tackles and making loads of turnovers. It was all for absolutely naught, obviously, but by some distance, the only Wasp player on that RDS pitch to emerge with any kind of credit whatsoever, and fair play to him. Uh, speaking of sevens as well, Matt Kvezic looked great again. I think it's his new uh, uh, you know, American Kvezic X haircut that's causing this change in, in sort of... Because he well, looks this... like fuming and... Is that, oh, well is that for it what, now, doesn't he? Is that what Jack Noel's haircut actually is? It's not a Britney tribute. It's a new. He's he's basically dyed his hair blonde and shaved it in a tribute to Matt Cavessic. It's like a reverse Samson. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, he's been really fucking good this season. Yeah. Uh, he's still not going to get anywhere near the oh, England team. Let's be honest. Of course he's not. Um, but yeah, he's, he adds a little something a little bit different to Exeter. That it was they a have great game added. for him on Saturday on against Munster. Yeah, absolutely Perfect was. But, but he adds a little bit more subtlety and craft to Exeter's back row options, I think, than they've had in the last couple of years. As opposed to Dave viewers. I think yes. I tweeted that I've never noticed before that his arse is the size of a suitcase. <laughs> I've never noticed that before. He's just, a, he's just a huge man. You know, he's basically like, oh, that's weird. I was like, why is it weird that I've noticed he's got? I'd, I'd noticed if somebody had a massive head, I'm yeah. noticing that he's got a massive arse. It's not that yeah. strange. Well, he basically just threw a try scorer over the line on, you know, just threw by the sheer force of his arse and the, his gent. Like, you've got to wonder, could England not do with somebody who is that agricultural? You was. At six, yeah. Well, he was there, wasn't he, until the long... He was regularly being called up until the cut yeah. on and off, long long off, on a bit, back off again, injury layoffs that he's had. I wouldn't be surprised if he's back. Yeah. Soon-ish. And let's be honest, it ain't going to be fucking Armand, is it? So he might well, as well no. be him. Yeah. Sensible haircut as well. Sensible haircut. He has dallied, dabbled in the daftness, but yeah. It's a... Yeah. Any more good from you before we go on to our Twitter? Uh, Gareth Anscombe. Yes. I get it. Because of like circumstances of his rival in Wales Cracking and all that win stuff. That, by the way, Cracking fucking hell, win r- brilliant win for the Blues, especially Sorry given how well. Sorry, the Cardiff Blues. Yes, yeah, it's got to be careful. Indeed, um, yes, the Blues. Um, <laughs> <laughs> 
like I get it. There's some people who are never going to rate Anscombe, and they're always going to say that he's overrated or he's taking somebody else's spot. Blah blah blah. Whatever. The way he's playing at the moment, I don't see how Gatlin can leave him out of his Wales team because he ran the show from 15 uh, away in France against one of the best teams in the top 14. Um, with a sort of attacking spark and game-breaking ability, we just haven't seen much from Wales over the last couple of years. Mm. I don't know whether he plays 10, I don't know whether he plays 15, but... I don't think he's, he's a starter at 10. No, well, he's not playing at his club at 10, that's the problem. No, I don't think he's a, and there's a I think if he's going to be on 10, he's coming on the last 15 minutes and everyone's fucked. Yeah, he's a good game-breaking 10, I'd say. But it, it just feels like he needs to be there somewhere and there is... A, a big old queue at 15 for Wales with mm. I think he's just good for a bench spot I think don't try and force it he could be an, an awesome super sub yeah. he could be an awesome super sub and his versatility yeah mm. we'll see what else have we got that's good uh, James James Reese got in touch on Twitter he said good was Keelan Giles coming back after an horrific injury and having a pretty decent game yeah I wouldn't know because yeah. it wasn't on telly well, again, yeah. There wasn't even a TMO in that game, by the way, oh because God. of its lack of tell. Like the Ospreys had two tries disallowed that they could not check because there was no TMO. I mean, they still won, so don't worry about it. I mean, they still won. It's fine, but European rugby, no TMOs. That's the level that we're at. D. Clark Fuck got that. in touch on Twitter, and he said good was Finn Russell, who's moved yeah. to France, actually seems to have been a brilliant career move. Now... You know what you've just done now, don't you? Sorry, the great Scotland wheels fans. flying off express is what's going to yeah, happen. Sorry, that. Scotland fans. Well, yeah, to be fair, he's well. What's he's, good? He's he's he hasn't needed a bed in period, has he? He's got straight no. On he's with hit. He's hit the ground running. Zebo's hit the ground running. Things trouble him too much. No, he's very. He backs himself at all times. I think he's that's a really good. He's kind of the anti Reese Priestland. Mm. I think he has that about him. That everything is fine. I agree. Uh, Richard Hall got in touch on Twitter and he said, good was Brian Moore pronouncing Paul Gustard's name to rhyme with custard. <laughs> Kept calling him Paul Gustard. Paul Gustard. All the way Love through. it. Love it. Gareth Hughes got in touch. He said, Anscombe, Ellis Jenkins and Thomas Young, yes. And honourable mm-hmm. mentions in adversity to Charteris and, and Die Young. Yeah, he wow. was very, to be fair, Die was, he's all class and he Die Young. Yeah. He really, a, and even when his team are getting lapped and they go to him after the half, I go, I going, well, we're just not getting enough of the ball, really, are we? Yeah, you know, he's, he's completely very, philosophical and just. He never seems about really angry about everything. He's just kind of like, "Well, this is going shit, isn't it?" <laughs> Basically, <laughs> he knows there's nothing he can do about it. It's, but it does show that I, you know, we thought that his going out at number ones into leisure wear was the key to what's was playing the key. Better. Apparently not. So no, I number ones again next week. Don't yeah. Uh, Jamie O'Connell says that good was. Duncan three tackles Williams. Did you see that? For the Munster yeah, game? yeah. That's not Outrageous. that unusual in rugby league, you know. It's really funny how yeah. rugby in a league of different games. That kind of triplet off the back of a tackle in rugby league because you're already up and ready to go. Mm. It's mm. not that unusual. But uh, yeah, it's, it was still a hell of an effort. Yeah, because you don't see it as much. Yeah. more impressive. And uh, Adam Reese got in touch and he said good was the Blues who only had 18% territory and 24% <laughs> possession in the second half. I fucking battered them, yeah. And yet still managed to do it. And shit was Leon for having all that ball and scrum dominance and doing absolutely nothing with it. But then again, well, yes. L Boxies, what do you expect? Quite right. Indeed. And that, 
brings that us is to that. the end of this because we're back on again tomorrow to talk yeah. South Africa. Yeah. Because we can't. We just spoil you, Patreon. Can't get lot. Enough. Yeah. There we are then. I'm worn out now. I'm still in my suit here. I'm like dying. Yeah, you are. I'm you are in your number ones, ones right now. I yeah, number ones. I had to come straight from work <laughs> to do this because it's been. A, I've had a long old day, but um. Thank you all for your support. Thank you for your contributions. Thank you for listening. And just thank you so much, most of all, for being you. Indeed. Don't, don't go changing. Watch those roads, and we'll speak to you all soon. Take care. Ta-da. Take care, everybody. Snap, snap. At AIB, we don't make technology for you to bank. We make it for you to live. Just watch. So you can apply and get a loan through your AIB app, or online. All from the comfort of home. Banking to fit the way you live. AIB. We back doing. Lender criteria, terms and conditions apply. Over 18s only. Subject to approval. Security may be required. Allied Irish Banks PLC is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.